Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 449 of Constructive Criticism. I can't believe it's been that long. Next week, 458. Can you believe you've been on this podcast for more than a year? You know, uh, it's the, the cadence of doing it is just so natural to me that you could tell me it's been like five years or five months, and either way, it would just be, I, I'd feel the same about it. I don't know. It's just so natural. Mason, you have to be like approaching 200 plus, right? Oh, I, I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty, I would be surprised if I wasn't over 200. Oh, it's a lot like Severance, though, for me. I don't know if y'all have seen that show. I sort of, I, I clock into the podcast, I do it, and then I clock out. You know, I'm, I'm there. It doesn't, basically, it's not even like a job to me. This is so much fun, it just goes through. Well, you know, what doesn't have to be a job is getting better and improving. It can be something that just you make a part of your daily life. Abe, what have you been doing to be always improving the point of the show this week? Uh, yeah, so this week, um, you know, I've obviously the standard RC uh, has been on the forefront of a lot of players' minds, myself included. Um, this week, I've been uh, actually getting the team of individuals I'm going to be working on the like last crunch period with together and getting us all aligned and organized on um, goals. And really, that's been a lot of, you know, I've talked about how I'm using goals personally to um, facilitate, you know, having a better process. But really scaling that into, you know, setting up, you know, expectations for what I want to make sure everyone's goals, now that I'm working in a group, um, to get a bunch of the work done, you know, making sure that everyone is on board with that. And kind of that that's forced me to be in a spot of refining a lot of those goals for myself and also considering, you know, more of those goals. And then, again, prioritizing now that I have more people I'm helping organize, uh, you know, I can accomplish more, but also kind of there's more on the table to be accomplished. So uh, it's really been been a process process week as next, I guess this weekend is really going to be when I'm going to do the bulk of my legwork with them. One of the things that I have tried to kind of not just promote on this podcast, but like as myself is the idea of like teams having a coach or like having that person that gets to do exactly what you just talked about. And one of the things that I offer in coaching, and we'll get into this in the main topic, is like actually that like process goal driven, you know, it, it, one, the way that I like to put it to people is like process oriented results driven type of work when it comes to this type of stuff. And one of the things that I really love about you, Abe, is that when I hear you talk, you operate on that same axis where it it is the process drives the result. And then the result drives whether or not the process worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's always a function of, right? Results are a function of your process. So uh, really trying to dig in on that because I know that, you know, that's ultimately where those results come from. So, yeah, I love it. Mason, uh, for the visual listeners, they, you're, you're staying, you're sitting really still and you're outside. Um, is this an always improving mode for you? Have you been practicing holding still? Yeah, it's been doing the nothing happened scene from One Piece now for multiple minutes. And uh, your no, but... wisdom is off the hook because like your mouth ain't moving. Yeah. No, I'm uh, at a uh, house uh, and uh, the internet here is not so great right now, but I'm going to get upgraded by next. So uh, it will be it will be improved for the next always improving segment. Personal always improving segment. Uh actually comes from sort of like just being realistic with stuff and just ultimately deciding like 
what's sort of best for me. And what that meant is like skipping the RC um, for this go around, just between getting going full time with coaching, just been like way more honestly successful and things that I had really first imagined. And it's been really hard to sort of balance getting practice and stuff like that. And just the amount of money it is for me to, for me personally to get from here to San Diego in a hotel room, get the standard deck and everything, even with like borrowing cards or whatever, it's just way too much. So I just decided that instead of like trying to like force myself to do this and sort of being miserable and not really put myself in the best spot to succeed. Instead, I'm just going to focus on putting in a bunch of time for standard for understanding more things to help people that I'm coaching who are all preparing and just saving myself the money and working on that balance that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We're trying to figure out what does staying on top of things mean in this and you know, the new RC circuit uh, season with like having one format for everything, I think it's going to make it really a lot easier for me. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. But it's just been a moment of like, I think if I go, I'd have a fun time. It would just be a ton of money. And I just wouldn't be able to really try. I'd be like pretty frustrated myself, I think, uh, even if I like, you know, am acknowledging the fact that I couldn't put the time in. So can that I, was my always improving moment. It's just sort of being honest. Can I, yeah. can I piggyback on yours? Sure. Cause, cause mine is really similar, but like in a different vein. And I, I tweeted about mm -hmm. this. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet about like, I wish more magic players recognized when they can't do like when they just don't have the bandwidth to do something. And I know that our listeners mm -hmm. really struggle with this in a lot of different cases. They'll, they'll listen to the podcast and they'll be like, Oh man, like, They'll, I mean, they'll even use like us as examples. Like these guys are qualifying for every RC, and like, you know, I want to do that. And like, the truth is, is I started a new job. I, uh, you know, had a, a, some really bad weeks of mental health. And so last week on the show, I, I talked about how I wasn't going to try at my RCQ. I was just going to play blue white and like practice a specific thing. Well, additionally to that, I've also decided just not to qualify for dallas so like i have two more rcqs that i plan on playing in one of them is a 1k one of them is just a store that i want to support but i don't actually plan on qualifying and there's a couple reasons one uh, i mean i one of them is my job just like you mason i work for a startup right now similar to you like you've started a new business you've got you want to dedicate make sure that you understand your time and your commitments to that i work for a startup right now and i want to put my best foot forward really make the startup successful it has a lot of both monetary and like emotional value that i want to invest in it and you know because of that it's like okay well i'm already taking time off for san diego um and i'd rather spend my time focusing on san diego than worrying about modern a format that i won't even play next season which is what all of the rcqs in utah are so for me really similar to you it's like okay i can play in these rcqs enjoy my time, do my best for the deck that I already know in modern, but just not plan on going to Dallas. Um, and I, I think people don't do that enough in magic. Like they're really, they, they have this, I, I, and this was like a common complaint of the PPTQ seasons. Is that like, you feel like you're losing something out by not playing. Like the FOMO was real. And that's just not true. And I think that all three of us are telling you that this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny that, you know, you're talking about how you're going to be in San Diego and you're, you've decided you're not going to like make Dallas priority at all. 
Mason's talking about he's missing San Diego. And for me, that was literally my experience with Atlanta was I was like, I have so much going on with my job, with like, you know, just my life that I don't have time to really be playing RCQs. And I, I was able to play a couple and I made some runs and like was trying, but I was allowing myself to not really, uh, not really make it the priority, right? To not really play every event and be okay with whatever happened. But you've got to be willing to do that. And that's like, that's a big always improving moment for anyone really is to understand and be realistic for yourself and what it is you want to accomplish and how that doesn't have to look some kind of way. I feel like, you know, especially now that there is organized play and we're we're getting back, right? We're almost closing on the first, um, like the first cycle of it. Um, we're getting like, I guess uh, maybe we're only at the halfway point. It's been so, since they were announced and June is when the first uh Thing yeah. started because well, I won the RC in June. I want to I want to dive into what you just said though because like I used to take every modern season off. I just wouldn't play modern season because like I wanted uh, modern season. I think was usually during the summer anyway, and like my wife had summers off as a teacher, so I was like, okay, well I'm just not going to play this season. I'm going to spend time with my wife, and I think that magic like one we don't have some kind of system right now where like you get rewarded for qualifying for everything. So like, just pick your spots. Like when, where do you want to go? Why do you want to go there? What, what is like, you know, I think, I think that, uh, if I'm, is Dallas the Spain pro tour? Yes. So that, that might be a reason that you want to go to Dallas. I can't go to Spain. Like there's no way I can go to Spain with my job. Um, but I, I think that Mason, what you're saying about like being honest internally about what you have time for and why you why you want to do it and like where it ranks in your priorities, people need to hear that going into this new era of of uh, organized play. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to make it. I, I I agree with everything you said as well, Spencer. For it's worth, you know, I think we're on a very similar page, like you said about this. But I also want to note that like it is not lost on us that like it's a lot easier to say once you've played a pro tour or two. Like, I understand there is a big amount of FOMO on people um, who are just like, because I told somebody, like, well, how are you going to get to the pro tour? And I was like, I'll, I'll play a different one in the future. And they were like, oh, yeah, I, I guess once you've done it, it's easier to, like, take a shot at missing one. Um, or I guess you should, I should say lose your shot at one. And so uh, it, it's definitely not lost on us, but I do think that you will be happier and succeed more, like Spencer was saying, if you make the shots at the right time and you practice and put good effort forward as we're going to talk about coaching today and our main topic, but like you, the same way it's like working out, right? Like you don't want to practice poor form and have bad form working out. You're going to get less out of it. I think a very similar thing is true of magic. So I'm glad we could bring this episode to the people or bring this topic, I should say to the people. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, let's move on to some housekeeping items really quick. Uh, the first thing I want to say is while looking for sponsors, uh, you could have an awesome ad like Gilded Goose Gaming. You know, just like Gilded Goose Gaming, we are the golden egg of constructed podcasts, according to many Apestein. And Gilded Goose Gaming offers you all your gaming needs golden. They've got golden dice. They've got golden drinks. They've got everything in gold. Do you yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine anything other than using my uh, sponsored Gilded Goose Gaming Golden Playmat. I mean, it's pretty heavy to carry around, but uh, you know, it, it blings out. Yeah, the Gilded 100%. Goose Gaming Golden uh, 
I can't think of another G. I really wanted to. I'm not gonna lie. But Golden I, gamepad. Gamepad. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, Gilded Goose Gaming for all your gaming golden needs. Uh, you know they got those golden skins. They got those golden skin arena codes. All your skins are golden. So, <laughs> thank you so much to Gilded Goose Gaming. Check them out at gildedgoosegaming.goldengoose.golden.goose.com. Secondly, we got some activity in the swag store, fam. The swag store for CCMTG. We had a desk mat ordered. We had multiple t-shirts ordered. We had a life head ordered. Did you know that you, too, Mason, could rep CCMTG other than these awesome wristbands that people can grab from you at their next event that you're at? Or by becoming mm -hmm. a patron of the show? You can just do it by going to swags, the swag store on ConstructorCriticism.com. Pick up your desk mat. I just ordered a desk mat myself for work. Uh, you know, I got all these, like, regional Pro Tour qualifier play mats and, like, all these from these top eights and, like, reminding me that I'm a failure uh, and didn't actually qualify for the Pro Tour from these. I didn't want those at work. I wanted just constructed Criticism always improving on a desk mat that I could sit there and just enjoy. So, if you want to support the podcast directly, it is a great way to do it. Another way to support the podcast directly is by going to patreon.com slash ccmtg. No new patrons this week, but one of the my favorite perks of the podcast uh, that is the $10 benefit of free entry into the quarterly open. So people might be asking, well, what about this quarterly open? Well, we were looking for a sponsor. We have one. I have confirmed with them. It will be announced next week on the podcast on how... We will be running a new, uh, a new open. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for it, guys. Yeah, I'm super Thanks. excited super to have excited. another. I'll go. Yeah, I'm super excited to have another, uh, another one of these events. You know, it's been a really, really cool thing to see the people in the community and some from outside of it. You know, really just battle it out for some cold hard credit. Uh. You know, and a little bit of a trophy, all the things you'd ever want. Um, and it I mean, honestly, it was just a really cool place to um, be able to just battle and, you know, to, to to really have something to apply yourself for. And it's just a really fun event. I'm really glad we're going to be able to do it again this quarter. Yeah, our trophies are substantially bigger than the DreamHack trophies. Like, by magnitudes, really. Right, Mason? Yeah, it's a lot easier to be bigger than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what doesn't have a value of nothing is the value of an mtg coach which is our main topic today and um this this one's interesting and i want to i want to call out a listener of the podcast um for a, a tweet that i found really interesting uh his name is henry and he talked about coaching and the differences in uh how do, how do I, I don't want to misquote him, but basically this was a topic on Twitter this week or last week, I should say, at the time of the recording. And all three of us have, we, we all coach in MTG. And I think that um, one of the things that, that I can say for sure is that um, I think that we all approach coaching differently than maybe some other people in the community and kind of how we handle it. And one of the goals of this week's show 
is to help you understand what you should look for in a coach, what a coach should try, what you, uh, what kind of questions you should be asking your coach, and when maybe the types of things that a coach can help you with, and when you should be looking for one. Um, because honestly, there are times where you maybe I mean I I certainly I can't speak for you two, but I'll, I'll go first that. I have had times where I've been like, hey, I don't think that I can help you as a coach. Like, I think that either you are uh, a little advanced for this type of coaching or the things that you are trying to, that you need to improve at, I am not the best person to be helping you with. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there are moments that, that those type of things are true. Uh, and understanding what the moments where you might get value out of a coach versus times where maybe you need something else is really important. So let's start with what to expect from a coach. And uh, you guys want to round table this episode, kind of like what we, we what we all think for of each of these points? Sure. Uh, it's it's I'll, a little bit different, but I want... Yeah, go ahead, Mason. Yeah, I'll, I'll start here. I, I think that... Um... A thing that uh, talking to a friend of the show, Andy Awkward, on the First Strike podcast about, uh, and I think he had a really good analogy for it, which is I always thought about, but he just had a good way of putting it. Is like if I bought a math tutor for my kid and the math tutor just solved all the problems, I'd be so mad. But if you didn't teach my kid anything, all you did was do the homework. And that is, you know, sort of my opinions on when coaching is just playing leagues together. I reviewing VODs and doing that sort of thing is very helpful. And on exactly one occasion I've played a league match with somebody because they just couldn't quite get it from VOD review. And that's fine. You know, the exception proves the rule, but I, I've coached about 70 something people now. And in that time, I just do not play leagues because I believe that the tutor, your, your coach is a lot like a personal trainer and there's, we should be trying to teach you ideas and install good habits and help you understand what matters and concepts so that you can succeed on your own. Ideally, you get to a point where you no longer need coaching, you know, or you can go and leave for a long time and come back or find, you know, different coaching help with a different thing. And so lots of different stuff going on. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, to add on to what Mason said, cause I agree with everything he said is uh, there's the old adage or maybe that's the wrong word of, you know, teaching a man to fish rather than, uh, and sorry, there's the old adage of teaching a man to fish, right? And I, I think that the goal of an MTG coach is exactly that. It is to put tools in front of you to use to get the results that you're looking for um, or to get the outcomes that you're looking for, really, not even just the results. And one of the things that I have found really successful is using some of the tools uh, from work. And, and we've talked about this in the show. Like I've talked about objectives and key results on the podcast. I've we've talked about uh, Abe's talked about smart goals, right? And just understanding the type of things that you can do and the tools that you can put in front of you to really uh, achieve specific outcomes. And one of the things that I also think is like it is not it is not a coach's goal job to make you win more matches, but one of the things that you should expect from your coach is to help you understand what you could be doing or what, why, why you might be losing matches. And I think those are different things. Abe? Yeah, I think that, I don't know, I'm kind of, 
uh, a little bit more. And this might be because, you know, personally, I've done a lot of coaching specifically around very targeted topics. Because something for me is that I'm not, you know, when I'm not in a position to really feel like I'm going to be coaching, uh, you know, the macro skills really well. And I'm pretty selective about the people who I work with on things on that level, because I find it hard sometimes to make sure that's valuable for a lot of uh, for a lot of people, you know, I really am someone who focuses a lot on high level concepts and some people that's really hard to work with, you know, when you have a coach, you should really be, um, th that's like an expectation you should have is that it's someone who's going to be able to actually work with you, work with you well. But, um, you know, playing matches is something that you do, or like, at least in a coaching sense is something that I do to understand where, you know, the very micro mistakes might be happening and then kind of extrapolate that into, okay, well, let me get your perspective on how you're thinking about a problem um, so that you can kind of build a sense, or at least for me, so I can build a sense of um, what it is that your process looks like. And then using that to kind of nudge you towards the areas where there's room for growth or there's, you know, you're close to a breakthrough. And I can see with, you know, being able to see more of the game, you know, a coach can really guide you to places where maybe you're close to that, um, to that level of understanding and that level up moment. And they can really point you in the direction of it by seeing where it is you're thinking now and what it is you're thinking now um, and, and giving you guidance to get there. So I do think that uh, we are talking about two different things, right? You're talking about micro versus a macro coaching. And I do think that like, just, just to use hammer time as an example, uh, just the an hour and a half that I had with you on hammer time on a micro level actually did open up my understanding of hammer time quite a bit and I, but i do think that like uh i do think that a lot of that had to do with like i mean we played what one one and a half matches total like it yeah. wasn't a whole league and i think that one of the things that we'll get into later is like it's a coach is not a playtesting partner and and I, we'll get into that later but i don't think that's what you are doing on the micro level you're opening their minds to different ways. So for as hammer time, for example, opening up their minds to like different ways that the deck can operate and what they might not be seeing when they mulligan, when they like these little micro things within an individualized archetype that's different from coaching on standard or coaching on modern or co even coaching on magic right those uh, it, it it's like a funnel right and, and you know i'm sure this is something that mason experiences a lot when it comes to those times where you know he is doing sessions involving gameplay because i know mason coaches a lot more than than i i ever have you know that's just because it's his job um but really using the game as a vessel to see the process right to to, to peel back what's going on or use it as a way to tell you know, the skills or the story of what it is that I'm looking at and giving that as an example, that's really where gameplay and coaching, and I feel like that's probably one of the biggest um, misconceptions about coaching there is, right, is that coaching is having someone there to kind of tell you what it is you're doing wrong or right. Um, but really, it's, it's about using, right, there is an amount of I want to know what it is you're doing wrong or right. But a coach really digs into the why behind it and tries to help you structure things better so that you're making fewer of those mistakes or you're, you know, making sure you're making those correct decisions more often and you're using those strengths to help you as well. Yeah. I, I want to 
move on to the next part, which is why to get a coach. But Abe, you kind of started this. So I want to kick it to you. Like, what are some reasons that you might find yourself in a position to look for an MTG coach? Yeah, I would say that the best times to get a coach are when you either know something that you need to learn a lot about and you need to find an expert on it, right? You need to you need to really supercharge your time and get the most out of it and make sure you're getting, you know, the best opportunity to to grow for that or you're in a place where you know you need to know something but you don't know what it is, right? So it's either either of those extremes where either you're at you feel like you're at that plateau or you feel like you're at the start line because at both of those those places that's where you're going to get the most value either they're going to give you that you know that push through that that barrier that's going to open up a new frontier of what it is you're looking at or you know a good coach is going to be able to right catch you up on all of this information that you need and, and really get you up and towards your potential faster than you would get on your own yeah, I'll jump in on this one. I think that the just the way that I do coaching, and I, Mason, I'll, I'll pitch it to you next. Like the way that I do coaching, I really focus on players that have found themselves in a plateau, and people that need processes to get more out of their time. And like those are the two things that I focus on. And you know, uh, I think that those are things that, like you said, Abe, that I have expertise in. That I, that I understand those moments, those feelings of the plateau and like where we can turn knobs, but then also like um, the process side of things is literally what I do for a living. Like it, it is it is how, how I've been successful in my career and it very well translates to magic. The, the other thing that I will say that I don't think was mentioned here is like, I also think that we we had we had this happening for a second and i think it's a real shame that a complete charlatan was the focal point of this but i actually think team coaching and team process coaching is something that i would really strive at that we should have more of in magic the gathering it is all over esports it is everywhere and there is a reason for it however the first person to really start to gain traction was a complete fake in Magic, and I think that's really unfortunate. Well, um, yeah, there's also just not teams in Magic, really, right? right? Now, like, yeah, like all the best teams are all. It's just the best players. The yeah, problem is like, yeah. So, but but I do it, think, it is like I, I do. The reason I bring it up though, Mason, is because like, mm -hmm. you know, I I have had success playing that role for the team CCMTG at the Pro Tour. You know, having mm -hmm. Danny Cathro. Michael Hinderocker and others register close, like a V2 of what channel fireball is registering. Like I do believe that there are processes and things that you can do and learning from learning from what those great teams did and ha help getting help in doing that, that we don't do enough. That is another place that I think that you could get a coach. And that mm -hmm. comes down to like, not just you though, as an individual, but like, your play group, if you have a group of like, you know, X number of people that I, I have an opinion on the size of, uh, to like play test for an event, like a, a big event, I also think that that is another opportunity for coaching. Yeah. So I guess my answer to the question is when you've kind of find yourself in a position where you are 
unable to sort of be making progress and you feel like you have exhausted the resources around you, right? Like I think grabbing a coach right when you first start playing competitive magic is probably not the best way to do things, especially if you haven't played magic before. And it is good to sort of build up a foundation and sort of get yourself to, you know, a baseline level of understanding how magic functions, how you play as a player. And you've been playing for, you know, I would say at minimum, you know, six months is like the, the, probably the least amount of time that I would suggest for somebody to do it before getting a coach on average. Um, There's always exceptions to the rules, but I, I think that that is like to get a coach is you've exhausted the resources around you, your local team, um, you know, articles and stuff like that. And you feel like you're hitting a wall. And one of the things you can really do is help uh, show you what you don't know. And eventually I think a lot of players hit a spot where they're like, I don't know what I don't know. And I feel like there's something I'm not getting here. Getting a session or two with a coach can be really helpful or setting up a, a session with somebody who um, wants to try and figure out like what your sort of weaknesses are and what you're lacking can help you push you in the right direction can be incredibly helpful and incredibly so that, that would be my answer to sort of why to get a coach. Mason, back to you though. We kind of talked about a few of these, but is there anything that you should that you think that people should look for in a coach? Um, the main thing I would look for is somebody who is like wants to help teach you how to fish versus giving you a fish. Um, that is like the quickest and easiest way to say it. Um, people who are like, for example, when Abe plays games with people, that is him figuring out how you're casting the line, to use the analogy. It is not Abe casting the line for you, right? So like, there is a difference, um, and I want to make sure that is clear. Um, but if someone is just like, you did this wrong, this bad, or whatever, uh, that is, like, something to look out for. And um, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but because we do have questions to ask. Um, but those questions are much more about, like, things in coaching. But... I would ask the coach like, Hey, what does, and that's something I get a lot is what does coaching look like? What can I expect from working from you? And sort of, you know, ask them for a process because it is a, a job and interaction and you, uh, it is fair to expect a, uh, you know, an amount of like structure and answer to the process, or whatever. And they might have questions for you back, but that's, you know, when they have questions for you back or really detailed, I think that's really a good sign. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in next because I think that your last point is like the biggest thing for me. And I kind of mentioned earlier, but like my first session is either is substantially discounted. And it's because for me, it's like a two way interview. It's like, hey, what are we looking at? Does is this a good fit for us? Because I I don't I don't want to waste your time. And I certainly, you know, don't want my time wasted. And I think that like understanding. okay, is this am I going to be able to help you? Um. And are you in a position where, like, I'm the right fit for you? Or or I think having a coach that, like, actually cares about that rather than somebody just looking for, like, you know, another however many dollars is really important. And I, I do believe that that will come across in their process in how they're trying to coach you. Mason, one of the things that you mentioned that I also want to highlight and I want to double down on is, like, a good a good coach in any type of environment you know i have i have a personal mentor for product management in my job and like sometimes it's hard to schedule our time and like one of the one of the things that really comes up is like he 
he's he's listening to me, but he's also like making sure that I'm I'm led rather than told what to do. Because he doesn't know my exact situation. He doesn't he doesn't know exactly what I'm going through my job. He doesn't know the specifics of the problems that I'm trying to solve. The the time that's the most valuable is like him uh, similar to how I talked about how Abe opens the the lanes for different options when like he coached me on hammer is like that that's what you're looking for if 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 they're going to just hammer you through the the pro, the the session I don't I don't think that that is going to help you as much as you think um you know you just it's like looking at the back of the textbook for the answers to the quiz so yeah i think you know I, I think everything you guys have said has been you know spot on the only thing i'll really add is that um when it comes to what you're looking for in a coach and this is something that i'm a big proponent of you know i said there's a lot of people who like i wouldn't take on for really just you know basic um you know things where i feel like i'm not gonna be the best coach because i know it's somewhere where i'm not really passionate about helping people improve and it's not somewhere where I'm really that good at helping people improve um, at those levels. It's not really where my interest and attention has been for a long time um, is finding someone who you want to emulate, you know, someone who you, you know what it is that they're bringing personally that you want to put into your game, right? What it is, why it is that this is the person that is going to be coaching you. I think that's really, really important um, for what you're looking for in who's coaching you. And uh, you know, just someone who really seems to, you know, I, I mean, and honestly, like, you know, when it comes to the podcast, I think the fact that all three of us are coaches and also all three of us are really, you know, we're, we're all creating this content. It makes it easier to kind of identify with who is it of these three, if I were to go out and, and seek out coaching, who is it who's going to be able to be the biggest value to me, right? Who is it that I agree with the most or who I think thinks like me the most? That can be a really, really important part of the process too, that you want to ascertain either when you're inquiring about coaching or just you know kind of getting a sense for the person you're going to ask yeah um for, for what you're looking yeah, for because like it really the, is the you know, it's, it's like a mentorship real. it's the, a relationship it is yeah the vibe fit is real like my for for what it's worth the my product mentor is literally a guy that picked somebody else over me to work for a job and like i emailed him after he said like he emailed me he's like I, i'm just gonna be really transparent because i think this is important my product mentor is a guy that emailed me and says, hey, it was down to you and this other guy. We picked this other guy. Here's the reason why. I want you to know I believe there's a future for you in this company. Like, I really hope that we get to work together one day. I'm really sorry. And my response to him was, that's really respectable. I really appreciate that. I want to, like, your, your people and you sold me on you specifically, like, as a VP of, like, as a, as a VP of product. I would like you to just coach me just on your spare time if you have time and like that vibe fit was so much more important than everything else the thing that abe just said is so true um i want to also add before i move on to the type of things that a coach can help with abe you mentioned this podcast you mentioned that they get to listen to us they get to see you know they get to see your smile they get to see how handsome mason is uh they get to see you know something about me uh, but this podcast, I mean, Henry said it better than I'll ever say it. He's like, I was like, I really hope that people don't feel like as a content creator, as a coach that I'm trying to like 
scam people. And he's like, you have a hundred, 450 episodes of a free podcast. I don't think anybody could ever call you a grifter. And I think that's true. I think that like a lot of the things that you might think you need a coach for, this podcast probably has an episode on. Like probably in the last year in a lot of cases. Uh, so I want to I want to call that out before we go on to the next topic because I want to talk about the type of things a coach can help with. And Mason, I want to kick it to you first. Yeah, I think the thing that I'll start with, uh, the thing that happened, you know, a fair bit with me is somebody. Uh, there's a class of players who like they hear people talk about things they don't know exactly what they mean or they have a hard time mastering it when they hear it from like a podcast or an article and they'll bring it up in coaching and we'll sort of work through and talk about the topic because these coaching sessions are like sort of like um, you know not as high quality as a TED talk but like sort of like that right like they're these free things here people talk about a topic or whatever um, and sort of learn from it but just like they don't get a chance to talk to the person right and when you get coaching from you know like one of us, for example, or from somebody like, you know, Reed Duke, Nathan Stewart, whoever, um, you get to talk to them and they can explain like their thought process behind it, what they think it means, what they sort of take from it. In the case of, you know, maybe you heard Nathan Stewart say something or me say something or Abe say something and you're just like, oh yeah, like what did you mean by that? And you can really go over it. I think that is something that I can really help with is sort of, you hear these big picture ideas on a podcast. And when we talk of the podcast, we unfortunately have to print paint in big strokes. We can't get into finer details. There's too many types of people that listen and we serve, we help nobody if we try to do that. Right. So we just are forced to paint with these big brushes. That's something that a coach can help with. Another thing is identifying weaknesses, help teach you ideas and concepts that you haven't already uh, understand or sort of master help work through to be more efficient with your time. One of the biggest things that I personally do is help people with things, uh, with ways to practice that aren't just playing the games and going over that sort of thing help people be more efficient with their time, especially when they have a busy work-life schedule. Um, and those sort of things I think are super important when it comes to like what a coach can help with. And I'm sure there are more, I don't want to spend all the time talking, so I'll pass off to one of y'all, but those are some of the big things that jump out. Yeah, I'll say like one of the biggest things that I've found, um, at, least as, at least in the coaching sessions that I've done and the people who I've done long-term things with is, um, if you're someone who's at that stage where you're trying to like really hammer down a process or you're at that plateau and you're trying to level up, it can, the hardest thing is often to structure that for yourself, right? You know, you want to grow. Um, but and maybe even you've identified where it is you need to grow, right? You've, you've had a session, you've talked with someone or you kind of figured out where that weakness might be, but really laying out a plan from like point A to point B and, and understanding what that's going to look like and having someone there to kind of guide you and, and kind of make sure that you are, you know, on that path over time. That's something where some of my most successful coaching relationships has really succeeded in kind of laying out plans and being like, okay, what I want you to do this week is play with this kind of intent or think about things this way or come and do this and write about it, right? Like think about the game in this way actively so you can get to there. And so really there's, there's a lot of things that coaching can help with, but I would say that one of the ones that's most, um, you know, overlooked in terms of when you have a coach who's really working with you is someone to provide you that roadmap um, and can help you lay that out for yourself. Yeah, I, the only thing that I have to add for what you said is just going to add on to what Abe literally just said, and that is holding you accountable in that uh, not only they're helping you build that out for yourself, but they're also holding you accountable to that. Like, this is the thing that you said 
that we were going to work on is that was that our focus or do we just play league matches like that's it sounds so funny and like simple but like mason uh is going to talk about like personal trainer versus steroids in a little bit and like that that's true um so uh speaking of mason i want mm-hmm. mason this is a point that you put in here that's having an open-minded coaching mm-hmm. i think that in magic um it is like pretty often that people sort of approach one another with like this air of like sort of prove yourself uh before people really listen and while i think that's generally a mistake or whatever and we have a whole that um when it comes to coaching i think there are sometimes coaches like myself uh will have like plans and lessons and homework and things like that and i have a lot of different um like routine and homework and things like that and assignments and like you know working on like slideshows and everything like that to like make it really much more professional but um like having open mind to what they're going to do you know and adobe uh, someone i won't name they were like yeah i feel like you're really helpful but i don't know if this like homework is really going to help me and so i said listen let's just be honest with each other let's do the next session do what i asked you and if you think i really didn't help and it wasn't really helpful you can have that session for free and if you just still want to work with me we'll go back to doing other things but just give me a shot on this i think it's going to be really helpful and i had them do the the homework of writing their own cyborg guide and doing a match summary and then sort of teach me a little bit about the matchup and then they sort of did it like they were coaching me and then i would talk to them about like hey this is where i think you maybe got something wrong and this was really helpful because this person identify them in the first session that they were bad at macro game planning and they were bad at sideboarding those areas they're weak in and so getting to do this and sort of be forced to teach somebody really helped and sometimes your coaches and things like that are going to be asking to do weird things stuff like that and it's good to sort of take a leap there um and also just the idea of like there's a part two to this which i you know i don't know how we all feel about this too but like it is sometimes hard for people to might need coaching or that like coaching could help or that they need to like assistance to get better at magic and i i think that's sort of silly everyone needs help everyone has a helping hand none of us got here without getting help from let alone each other but so many more other people and so uh just to have an open mind to like sometimes it's okay to need an extra hand yeah i i i echo everything you said and you know i think that one of the things that i would add to this point specifically is like you know I, i've had experiences where i go through the first session i'm like hey like you, one of the things that I have people do, and I don't, I'm, I don't know if you guys do this, but one of the things that I have people do is rate themselves on a t-shirt scale, on a few different areas in Magic, and then, but I have, we don't present those till the end. And uh, I've had multiple sessions where it's like, hey, after this conversation, I think you have your grades on yourself wrong, and here's the things where I think that you're wrong on yourself, and here's the things that I could help with. And I've had people that really respond well to that, and people that are like. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't know me. And it's like, you you came to me and asked for, like, my thoughts. And it's hard. Like, it's, it's one, I think that you've done a huge step by, like, asking for help in an MPG coach. But I think that, like, understanding um, what that relationship looks like there, I've coached a lot of Magic players that are better at Magic than me. And I think that that needs to be called out that we haven't called out yet. Because that's not... My job isn't to be better at Magic than you as your coach. That That is not my job. My, my job is to get you to where you want to be. Those are different things. 
and 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 I think that like having an open mindset to coaching, part of that is this. Uh, you're nodding your head a lot, Abe. So I want to kick it to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just the whole thing of, and I mean, it's experience. You just kind of because it is, it is, you know, it's, um, you know, when magic is a game, especially competitive magic, is something where your um, your skill and your ability can be so tied to what you believe in yourself and to your own self worth. Um, in magic, it can be a lot to be in a position of, you know, being confronted with an idea that maybe you do have flaws in areas you thought you had strengths and um really just remembering that you know if if you were if doing everything the exact same way you're doing it now without you know having a coach really help you and look into things and give you ideas and perspectives on how to grow if that if you're going to get better without doing that you wouldn't have come to the coach and the coach's job is going to be to push you outside of those those boundaries right and to and to put you in positions of thinking differently than you have already because if you're approaching it the exact same way that's the that's the value of being open-minded right if you're approaching it the exact same way you and you were going to get there you wouldn't be here and I, it's just important to remember because it is it is confronting and it is hard sometimes to you know feel like maybe you don't know as much as you thought you did and that can you know like we all have egos we all we all want to be good at, at magic, especially for the point we're coming for coaching. So um, it's just important to remember to leave that at the door and have it open. I love my therapist and she knows that I have this podcast, but like the number of times where I've like gotten mad at my therapist, like you just reminded me of this. <laughs> just like, shut- you don't know what you're talking. Shut up. Like, you don't know. You don't know me. And she's like, I do. I think I probably know you better than most people. <laughs> uh, Abe, I'm going to kick this one to you. Like, is there something that, well, I feel like these next two are the same. So, I'm, are you guys cool if we combine them? Yeah, yeah, it works for me. Yeah what what kind of things should you be asking for, or what kind of questions do you think you should be asking for in coaching? I'll start with you, Abe. I'm gonna say anything. I think you should come in with a very curious mind about what it is that you can be doing, and I think. I guess it should be anything but something specific. Like, you should really have thought and premeditated what it is you're trying to get out of things such that you can get that information. Because really, you know, magic is such a deep and big game. And as a coach, you know, we're, we're going to have this amount of time to work with you on what it is you're bringing to the table and also find things that maybe you're not aware of that, that we see from that interaction. But for it to be the most value to you, really coming with an idea of, you know, what it is you want to learn from that session, what it is you want to learn in the long run, um, the question, having questions, being curious about what it is you could be doing or things that you aren't sure about to open that conversation is going to make such a difference in the quality of session you're going to have. Can I, can I ask it, it almost, and maybe this is just me listening. It, it almost felt like you had a contradiction in there, that they should both come with specific questions but be opening to open to hearing other thoughts. How how do you reconcile those things? So um, I mean, this might come from my experience working in banking now, but really, it's that you should come with questions because it's going to be it's going to be both ways, right? So in my job in banking, um, especially on like the retail level, someone comes in and they have a problem with their accounts. They have something they want to do, they want to get a loan or something. And then my job is to listen to them, tell me what that is, help them get on the path to do that, but also uncover the other things that maybe 
can be done for them, right? That's like my salesy role. So um, in the same vein, if you apply it to magic, it's you're coming to me and you have this idea of what it is, you know, you want to learn, but it's my job as a coach who's listening to you and really trying to understand more and dig deeper than that to take that information and what you're talking about and use that as the catalyst for understanding the bigger picture and maybe digging into other areas and uncovering other areas that you're not thinking of. But the fact that you've come with something that you are thinking of makes it so much easier to get into that rather than spending time kind of prying into the places where, and, and trying to get to that first, um, that first breakthrough point of, okay, this is where we're going to be, be learning as opposed to you coming in with, Hey, these are things I want to know. And then uncovering the other needs along the way. That was awesome, Abe. Uh, Mason, kick it over to you. Like, is there anything you should ask for in coaching or any questions that they should be asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought of what, what's been said so far here. I, I think, one, you should ask as many questions as you sort of have. I, I have uh, one person in particular who just asks me tons of questions, and we don't dwell on them for a long time unless we need to. And he's just, if he has one, he wants to talk about it. He's like even just a little bit unsure He's just like, hey, man, I heard y'all talk about this in the podcast or I read this somewhere. This means this or what does that mean? Or like, am I understanding this correctly? I think asking a bunch and having a good, open, honest relationship about something you're not unsure about is really good. Um, I think another thing that's really good to ask for in coaching is um, like, ask like what they think that they can help you with and sort of ask to go over like, general magic stuff um and it is okay to get like specialized coaching in like camera or four color and that's like whatever the deck is right like that sort of thing is good uh, but just like if you're gonna do one of those and you're someone for like a short period of time maybe uh just have like specific questions ready to go so that they can step out um you know you mentioned before like having questions for people at the end i always do at the start of the first session is i ask a bunch of little questions um about things like how do you think you are attacking and blocking that card game, playing sideboarding, mulliganing, and a bunch of things. And the conversation we have from there really informs a lot. And I ask those questions to help prepare them. And I think they could ask questions. If you can have questions that are sort of inverse of that, they're like, hey, I think these sort of things about stuff. Like maybe like, yeah, I really believe that mid-range decks are the most skill intensive. Or like, I really think that, you know, uh, this sort of insert thing here could be like, really helpful for me what do you think of that just come prepared to ask you know really anything that you have in your mind to work with them i think it's like a, a really good spot to be the things not to ask are things like how to win how like how do i get to the pro tour that, that sort of thing where it's like not wanting to like result like not winning processes is wanting the answer because like an example of like the only kind of bad question i don't know how you feel about that but no i uh so i listen to a smash podcast called tweak talks it's it's by one of my favorite Smash coaches, Tweak, like the literal second best player in all of Smash Ultimate, um, and and uh, some other players and uh, commentators and players, and uh, they did a whole episode on things not to ask your coach. Like they just straight up were like, we all all on Metafy, we're sick of these questions. Don't ask these, and they're really similar to the vein that you just said of like, why am I losing? What did I do wrong? Like, that's not a, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I can tell you moments if we, like, did a league together. But, like, that is not as helpful as, like, and also won't give you the gains 
or the return on your investment that what you just talked about does, right, Mason? Where like you yeah. are going in big strokes, big swaths of like uh, Mason. You talked about like attacking and blocking stuff, and Mason has actually seen my document that I sent everybody before the first closing session. That basically the first session is us going through that document. Um, and so like Mason's like, I gave people homework assignments when I'm coaching them. I gave you a homework assignment before you even like the first session. Like you have to, we have to, this, we're going over this document. And I, I think that, that, that too often people come with the, it, it kind of goes back to that, like having an open mind to coaching the type of things that a coach can help with, where the type of questions that you should be asking your coach are uh, one, I, well, before I give this answer, I want to say, I also have a person that I coach. That's exactly what Mason just said, where the entire session is just like rapid fire questions that we talk about and break down to, to they feel like they have an understanding and they go into the next one. And that's totally fine. But I think that like the biggest gains that you're going to get are those, those moments where the, where your coach can help you identify either things that you need to improve on or honestly things that you do well. One of the things that I, I had a coaching session uh, two weeks ago, I think it was now where somebody said they were really bad at something. And after like 10 minutes of talking to them, I was like, I think that this is negative self-talk and you have a really clear understanding of this specific fundamental that maybe you had a game with that you, like, and one of the questions I asked him was like, do you have a game where you lost because of this? And they said, yeah, that's why I think I'm bad. It was like, it might've just been a moment. Like you do not have this specific problem. And mm -hmm. I think- like, Can ahead. I jump in real quick? Yeah. About that? yeah. I went to this earlier, but the, the moment kind of passed. In that particular, that is why I love VOD review so much is because in VOD review, you can stop when you're talking to somebody, talk about what they think they would now. And maybe they have all the right, words and stuff and like they understand the concept and in the past they just made a mistake and that doesn't mean that they were stupid or it doesn't mean anything that just means they made a mistake and like had a problem back then and doing a VOD review and talking through it with some really great because uh one thing that can happen with some people is they get anxious and they sort of default to your opinion and then if you talk through it with somebody and they do that then you get to see how they in the past and a lot of players who you're going to go to for coaching are good enough to sort of uh, for why you made that sort of play before. And it could be like, you know, a false judgment or just a mistake or whatever. But um, that's just to say that like, you, like Spencer said, making losing one match does not mean you're dumb. Losing the matchup once does not mean it's bad, right? Like you, if you got something like in a coaching, so in like a testing environment, people would laugh at you. And it is true here. Just because you lost one doesn't mean you're wrong or you're bad or you didn't understand it uh, or you're dumb, I should say, didn't understand something. And now you have a chance to learn from it. So I think that's really great. Sorry to cut you off there, Spencer. I meant to mention it earlier. And no, just kind I, of I, don't think, past. I don't think you cut me off at all. And I think that you you kind of hammered home what I my last point on this one. So we have a couple of quotes that Mason and I put in here that I want to cover rapid fire really quick. Um, the first one is your coach is a personal trainer, not steroids. Mason, what do you mean by this? Yeah, so this is something I tell basically everyone I coach in some variation or another, but you know, my job is to like help teach you these concepts and these ideas. And I send you out into the real world, much like our personal trainer teaches you how to work out, how to eat, how to exercise, how to live your life. And that sort of thing there is a help you. I can't play the games for you. I can't win the tournament for you. I cannot do those sort of things. What I can do is set you up for success and give you the tools and you have to put work in too. And that, is, I think is one of the biggest parts of this. It's just like getting coaching is good. 
it is helpful. It, I was sensing a second here that I, I truly believe. Um, it also it requires a lot of work from you too. It isn't just some magic thing to make it happen. And it isn't going to solve all your problems. It's going to show you sort of the first step in this long journey to climb the mountain that is competitive MTG. Well, I, I think that we also mentioned a lot of things that you might hear from a personal trainer of like accountability <laughs> process. Like uh, I think we, we talked about gains. We talked about uh, Ape Save Me. Like what I th- am I missing any? No, I mean, I think that just overall understanding that relationship is not right. Coaches coaching is not, a, it's quite literally not a shot in the arm. You know, coaching is something where you're working with someone who can help you do a better job of getting the results you want, but you still have to be the one who goes out and gets the results that you want, right? We're going to help you set up the process, but you're going to be the one out there doing the work to get the results. What we can do is, is help you get there, but we can't do it for you. Yeah, based on your next quote, kind of leads into this. A good session can save you actual months of playing magic. Yeah, if you have a good session with a coach, and uh, you know this is something that somebody said to me, uh, like if you have a good session with a coach, it can literally save you months of time, right? Like if you're out there on your own trying to grind it, you might be able to figure this out. Where eventually, maybe some podcast sort of talks to it, sort of figure it out. But if you have a good session where they're sort of you're having a good rapport, you're talking back and forth something that they're knowledgeable about, we're able to help you understand, that can literally save you months and months of time of playing Magic. And it's something that I, I truly believe, and that's why one of the things that, you know, like, if, if I didn't think coaching was actually helping people, I just wouldn't do it. I, like, had a pretty good job and, like, a pretty good life. Like, I wouldn't be doing this whole time if I thought it was, like, not actually being able to help people. And I think, you know, it's not helping them in the same way that a firefighter does, but enjoying your hobby more and like enjoying the time you're relaxing and helping someone succeed at their goals is super awesome. And a good session can save someone at minimum, I, I would argue a month of playing magic by themselves. So, you know, it, it's funny. I think about um, one of the old goals of the CSMTG Patreon and actually how I started MTG coaching is one of the $25 tier. You used to get an hour session with me. Um, and I remember the first time somebody qualified for the Pro Tour after we were doing that. I remember the first time somebody won a PBDQ after they were doing that. And, you know, they're hitting these goals. And then there are times where somebody, like, I don't know, thanked me or, like, thanked the podcast. It was like, that's not how it works. Like, you know, this this process-oriented, results-driven thing is the you are adopting a process and you're getting results. And I think what Mason just said is it really hits that on the head. Uh, mine, the next quote is mine. And that is a coach is not a play testing partner. I, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of people that are like, Oh, I'm just looking for like somebody to do this X with me. And it's like, okay, I mean, I can do that. I don't know what you're going to get out of it other than, I don't know. I, it, it can help. I, I think that, I think that what a lot of people think that when they're looking for a play testing partner out of coach are actually looking for a soundboard. They're actually looking for somebody to bounce ideas off of, ask questions to, have somebody in a similar mindset that can challenge them. They're not actually looking for a playtesting partner. And I, I think that, that those two things are very different and they and you should not equate them when approaching an MPG coach. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at it in relation to that, that other quote about your coach being your personal trainer and not steroids is they're also not your workout buddy, right? Like if you're going to get the most out of your coaching relationship, they are going to be your personal trainer. And that can mean sometimes that they're, you know, assisting you with a workout 
or they're, you know, they're helping you stay on track and they're assessing, you know, where you're at. But, you know, what you should, what you should expect is not someone who's going to be that for you, right? What they're there to do is to, is to set you up for success and let you go succeed, not necessarily be like the, the core contact of when you're actually putting in the work. I'll say this. My last playtesting session with Patrick O'Boyle, shout out, was multiple hours. Very, like, heads down. Like, I'm, uh, I, you could not pay me enough to do that for you. <laughs> like, especially to get, like, because part of it is, like, a playtesting partner is somebody who has the exact same goals as you. The exact same like wants and desires and like that's how you get the most out of a playtesting session a coach is not gonna have that they just won't they don't they don't have the same goal as you they're not i mean they're invested in your success but like i don't know i I just think that there's a misconception there uh that is gonna do it for our main topic though uh anything you guys want to add on before we move on to the patreon question Mason? I think that if you've like maybe you've listened to this podcast and you've thought about doing it before um, and you're like interested in what to do and where to go forward, uh, just really remin- like uh, really take a moment and think about like, okay, what are my short term goals? What are my long term goals? And what am I wanting from coaching? And when you can answer those three questions, go to whoever you want to go to and be like, hey, these are my goals. Do you think you can help? And if so, how would you help with these? And, you know, if you're unsure about doing coaching after that still, try and do that and try and find somebody. And there's probably somebody out there that can help you with something. So. All right. One of the benefits of being a patron on patreon.com slash ccmtg is you get access to our Patreon question. And that includes our bonus episodes with the mailbag. So if your question doesn't get answered on the show, it's guaranteed to be answered in a mailbag episode for the bonus episode. This week's question, though, comes from On It Boss. Is that is that how that is set? Is that On It or Oni Oni Boss? Oni Boss. Oni Boss. Oni Boss. What are good snacks to bring to a tournament? Uh, you know what's funny? I'm like a huge snack on cheese guy, like string cheese or like, but that does not work on a tournament setting, like at all. So I'm like a I'm like a beef jerky. And like a granola bar type of guy. What about you, Abe? Yeah, I was going to say beef jerky, S tier for sure, although a bit pricey. Um, trail mix is good. Uh, you know, really just, it's got to be that right mix of not too heavy. Uh, definitely something that's going to make you crash, but also not so light that you're like, why did I even eat this? I, I've heard a lot of people complain about like eating an apple. At, or like an orange at a tournament and then actually getting like a sugar high. Uh, it feels like we eat too much sugar for that to be true, but I have heard that complaint. Oh, I mean, I crash at work after eating an apple with my lunch because I just get so tired that I, yeah, I would, I would keep sugar low, 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 low. Yeah, I, I have, I have, I have never tried fruit in the middle of a magic tournament, but I have heard it, it, it breeds bad results. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, a similar thing to caffeine. Like I, I no longer drink caffeine, but I can tell you that a big thing that happened to me before in magic tournaments is I would crash around 
round six, I would say, whatever. I get these like massive headaches on half a year or something. Um, like quitting caffeine cold turkey is going to help you there. But that thing that I know has happened to people. Um, I, I think a good uh, snack type is like granola bars, cliff bars are a thing that I always sort of bring. Um, and then just like the trail mix and stuff like that. Like honestly, just things that are going to help you like stay uh, traded. Like I'm so tired. Uh, keep you energized and full the whole time. So, um, yeah, yeah, that is where I stand on that. So, yeah, I would also say like, uh, this isn't part of the question, but I also, sometimes magic players will go like really heavy on their lunch in like the middle of like a 10 round event. And I would encourage you not Mm -hmm. to do that as part of this snacking can help with that. But like the number of people that I've seen, like, you know, pound, like, multiple hot dogs and like a soda and like I'm like what are you doing? So yeah. Yeah, I'd almost rather fast. I honestly I know a lot of yeah. people that just don't eat lunch at magic tournaments. So they just like will snack throughout the day and then just like have a big dinner. And I actually think that's just a better way to go. So uh <laughs> really enjoy uh YouTube comments. Sorry. I just like jumping ahead. Uh one of the ways that you can get on the show is leaving a YouTube comment with a question or a comment. This one I really liked because specifically because of the type of episode it was. It says, really enjoyed the podcast, especially uh, as a primary broke arena player. I found these insights and a way of viewing a format. Uh, so I I want to cover something that uh, the, the power rankings started really early on in constructive criticism. And we don't really talk about it when we do these episodes all the time. But the reason that we do it the way we do it is actually based off of an old Frank Karsten article on a way of ranking decks. And we took that article and we changed the formula a little bit to give players like the top five decks to prepare for during PTQ season week to week. And we used to do the power rankings every single week. And we would talk about them and they would be format specific to the current format of whatever the PTQ season was. And the reason that we did this is I wanted to make one of the, the original goals of constructive criticism was like, I want to make a podcast that I listen to and I feel somewhat more prepared for my next PTQ. Right. And, and obviously the training grounds uh, and this main topic the style that we have of the training grounds has evolved the podcast quite a bit. Um, but I, I do actually think the way that we do power rankings actually tells a real story, unlike things like MTG Goldfish data. Um, even, even I'll be honest, I think the way that we do it is more beneficial than even what Frank Carson does now of just presenting you with raw data of like win percentage, because I don't think that it takes everything into consideration. Yeah, I think the, uh, powering episodes can be really good i'm really glad they're helpful and i think it's a good way to sort of get conversations started um in a way that maybe not would not normally come up if you were just going over goldfish or other different things it sort of gives you context for what's going on which i think is uh as you might guess key yes it is i agree i agree uh anything you want to say on that before we move on it um, no. No, no. 
Uh, all right. If you want to join the conversation, don't forget that you can join the Patreon Discord or the public Discord. Both uh, the public Discord links are usually in the show notes. Patreon Discord is for patrons of $5 or more. You can also hit us up on Twitter or in the YouTube comments. Don't forget to check out the rest of the network. We do a podcast every month for Arena Mythicast. And then Sam Black's podcast on drafting archetypes is every week and available everywhere you can get a podcast. Like, sub, and review those are the best way to support the show if, without, you know, doing it monetarily. Uh, those those reviews and those comments, likes, they all really do add up. Like, we're not just saying that. That is literally the best way to get the podcast shared. And we appreciate every single one of them. Uh, Mason, if people want to find you, where can they do it? You can find me over on Twitter at Mason Equal. Find me at twitch.tv slash the Mason Clark. Find me each and every week over on Card Kingdom writing about something. This week it is all about the Lord of the Rings cards. Uh, and you can reach out to me for coaching via uh, Twitter and DMs, or you can also email me, masoneclark at gmail.com, and we can sort of get the ball and conversation going if that is something you are interested in. Hey, what about you? Uh, you can find me over at twitter.com slash more nothings, or you can uh, yeah, you can DM me there or email me at uh, more nothings at gmail.com if you want to set up something for coaching. I know we just talked a lot about it. Um, but yeah, if there's something you're interested in, just let me know. Yeah, you can hit me up at Spencer13H on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast at CCMTG. And you can, uh, I think Mason is like basically full. Uh, and on- no, I have more room. Oh, okay. Well. All right. I was going to say hit up Gabe because I am full uh, right now. Uh, just with my new job and stuff, can't take up more more coaching uh, stuff right now. Uh, if you are interested, you know, spencerhowland.gmail.com is the best way to reach me. Um, Abe, what did you learn on the show this week? I learned we used to do power rankings every week. <laughs> yeah, that was actually somebody's job on the podcast. Like, their entire job was to make those every single week. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we don't do that because I really do feel like by getting a bigger view and a bigger draw, like, I mean, just well, this episode on. that we did last there week. There used to be an SEG and a challenge every single week. Right. I mean, the, yeah, the format turn was a lot faster, <laughs> but but I will say that, like, being able to look at that level of event and also not being so bogged down in just, like, just that. I mean, the show also uh, used to be almost two hours every week. Uh, see, these are things. These are I. I'm in the correct era of CCMTG. For <laughs> That's what I learned on the show this week. Mason, what about you? Uh, I learned. I don't want to say this. It was a really good episode. I think sort of seeing how to verbalize and explain. I think a lot that we all had in a very similar place, but in a way that I had not thought about that before, and. You know, being a full-time coach, being able to explain ideas and concepts in different ways when someone maybe isn't getting it is super important. And having this sort of conversation day was very helpful in that way. I I learned that I'm wrong, and Mason hasn't seen seen my my uh, my my two-way interview uh, document. So we'll be sending that out for the episode. Thank you everybody so much for listening. We'll see everybody next time on another episode of Constructed Criticism.
Magic, magic, magic.